The New Grad Physio podcast is hosted by Andy Barker, consultant MSK and sports physiotherapist, private practice owner and the founder of The New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously worked in his dream role at the Leeds Rhinos as the head of physio and rehab, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes and within professional rugby, football and dance whilst running his own group of private practice clinics. He started the new grad physio to help student and new grad therapists just like you overcome the specific challenges you face at the start of your therapy career, helping you to dodge the common pitfalls that can cause confusion and overwhelm with your clinical practice and stop you getting the patient results and the jobs or promotions you deserve. This podcast will deliver you actionable advice, will help you make sense of your patient assessments, reason your treatments, and patient rehab to get results well beyond your level of experience. You will also discover what you need to do to open doors, to create opportunities for yourself, so you can enjoy the best possible start to life as a new grad physio. So, let's get started. Hey, it's Andy Barker here and welcome to the new grad physio podcast. In this episode, I want to talk all about biomechanics and and biomechanics for me is it's a big thing. It's, it's an area of, I guess, of, of what I do that I'm really passionate about. Um, I actually went back to university to study a master's degree in sport and exercise biomechanics. But I guess the, the main thing I want to talk about in this particular podcast episode is, I guess, how a lot of therapists can actually use biomechanics and biomechanical testing incorrectly. And Hopefully, come the end of the podcast episodes, you can see how how that might look and, and how you can avoid the same errors in your own practice. And I think this all boils from quite a few questions I've been get over the over the last sort of few months, and uh, with a lot of therapists asking me questions around testing and biomechanics and, and all these types of things. Because I think at the moment, everywhere you look, um, testing's everywhere. You know, you go on. Instagram, you go on LinkedIn, there is some physio, some therapist using some sort of fancy tech or gadget to, to test someone or, or something, whether that's um, a Nord board testing hamstring strain, whether that's force plates, you know, video analysis, handheld dynamometry, you know, if you can test it, you know, someone is testing it and using some sort of device um, to do that. And I think particularly as a new grad, you see all this stuff and you think this is all really high level stuff. You know, it's really, you know, the stuff that you, you don't know about, clearly you're not taught at university and it's, and it's what you need to be able to to help the patients or athletes you're working with. And, and largely you don't. So biomechanical testing and those types of things are a, a really, really small part of, of, of what we do. Clearly, any type of objective assessment, whether it is on a force plate or handheld dynamometry or, or any other objective test for that matter clearly are very important to us because we, we need these objective markers to help guide the rehab process you know they give us the data we need the numbers we need to see how much progress your patient has made from maybe when they first came to see you 
or how much progress they actually need to make to allow them to make the next step in the rehab process. So when I'm talking about outcome measures, I've obviously mentioned about you know Nord boards and force plates and dynamometry and all those types of things. But don't forget that simple things like your you know manual muscle testing on the the bed, range of movement testing, watching your patient move and measuring you know standing side flexion or rotation. They are also objective measures. So let's not forget. Uh, I guess I'm throw the uh, baby out of the bathwater and, and think you know we need all this high tech equipment and and fancy gadgets to test. We we do objective testing all the time. But I think the first and foremost, the, the important thing to, to understand is we need these numbers. We need to, to objectively test our patients to see if they're progressing in the way that we want them to do. But the fact that we can test more things and there's more gadgets, more tech, is, is probably you know a problem in itself. So to give you an example, I saw an athlete the other day and the previous day, she had gone to another facility and got undergone you know, quite an extensive battery of tests, predominantly um, Nord board stuff and some handheld dynamometry stuff to test her, her lower leg strength. So she is approximately eight weeks post-meniscal repair, lateral meniscal repair, and in the middle of a current strength block aimed at improving her lower leg strength. So to cut a long story short, had all this testing done, uh, and the outcome of the test was... A significant deficit in both her quad and hamstring strength of around about 40 percent um, but we already knew this so even subjectively when questioning the athlete you know i asked her a direct question and said you know if your unaffected leg was a hundred percent that's you know full strength how strong do you currently feel that your affected leg is and she said probably around 50 percent then if we looked at what she was lifting in the gym before her injury to what she's lifting now with some of her sort of key lifts, which for her were a back squat and RDL, she was lifting approximately 50% of the weight compared to pre-injury levels. So the outcome of the testing and the fact that we, we identified a, a 40% strength deficit was nothing new. We knew that, even just asking her subjectively and then quickly comparing her, her gym program to pre and post injury we knew that already and even on the bed testing her we could feel a, a deficit it was so much harder for her to work and using some really simple tests we had all the information that we we need so i guess that the point i'm trying to make here is the testing is great but the the timing of a testing is, is equally as important and the test in this you know in this example actually had nothing to value to, to the rehab process we already knew that her strength levels were not where they need to be hence why she's in the middle of a strength block to get her quad and hamstring strength um, increased and also by the nature of the testing so tests are, are maximal you know these types of tests are maximal where push against me as hard as you can you know slow yourself down as much as you can on the nord board you know these tests actually irritated her knee. So she came in to, into the clinic the next day and she actually had an irritated knee. She had soreness from the testing and that actually meant we had to push back her lower body rehab session to the next day. So the tests didn't really have any, add any value. They didn't tell us anything new and they actually prevented us from doing what we needed to do the most, which was train to actually get her legs stronger. So again, 
hopefully that's quite a clear example. The reason I've spoke through that case study is because hopefully it shows you that as good as testing can be, that the timing of your testing and the value of your testing and what you're actually trying to get out of the testing is is, is more important. If it's not going to add anything to 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 what you're doing and change what you're doing, then you need to question why you might be doing it. So testing is great, but you, yeah, you need to understand when to use it. And this was, was certainly, and I, I talk from experience here, this is one of the biggest takeaways that I took from my own master's degree when I did the sport and exercise biomechanics um, at Leeds Beckett University. And, and I made a mistake when I was still, still studying. I did it part-time over a couple of years because I was working at the time in full-time sport. Um, I made the mistake of taking all the players I was working with, even some patients up to up to the lab at the uni and doing all these new tests and protocols. Uh, and that continued when I when I sort of finished my master's degree. Um, but in short, I over-tested the athletes and patients I was working with. I loved getting them in the in the lab and you know setting up all the equipment, calibrating it, doing all these tests, you know, using all this equipment. It looked it looked fantastic, and patients and athletes were were wowed by all this, you know, all this tech and and the gadgets and the equipment they were using. All these numbers. It looked obviously really fancy. I was creating all these nice reports for other staff I was working with and, and the patients and athletes themselves. But what I quickly learned was that for all the data I was collecting and all the time and effort it actually took to collect this data, it was not actually changing what I was doing. And when I was writing to, you know, the text and some notes to, together for this podcast, you know, I, I was thinking about other objective markers. And, and again, think of something like an X-ray or an MRI. So you fractured your arm or an ACL patient you're working with. You don't routinely X-ray them or MRI them every few weeks just to see how they're getting along. You might do if something was was a bit amiss, and you were thinking, "No, oh, I think something going on here." An ACL patient, for example, when you're really struggling and you've you tried your hardest, and they're trying really hard to get that extension back, but there's something blocking it, and you're four or six weeks down the line, you may go back to the consultant and and query you know, something like a cyclops lesion, and, and that might be something that does need you know re-imaging and re-MRIing. Equally, at six weeks, you might re-X-ray uh, a fractured arm. To make sure it has healed to the point where you might remove um, the cast or splint or or whatever it is, even potentially take out the metalwork that that you may have planned to do. But you wouldn't do that every single week during that process. The same way with testing, you know, biomechanical testing is is no different. You need to use it at the appropriate time. Testing all the time and doing all these tests, if it's telling you stuff that you already know, like in the example that I I I presented to you, then it's not adding anything to you know, to, to the picture, and it's not helping you actually progress your your patients on. And don't forget, there's much simpler ways to test your patient. You're testing all the time, range of movement testing, manual output testing, strength testing on the bed, observing your patient walking, observing how they move with simple movements like, you know, forward flexion, side bends, rotation, squats, lunging. These are all objective markers and, and tests you can do easily in a matter of seconds. You don't need to jump, you know. In a fancy laboratory or be spending thousands of pounds on fancy equipment and equally as important if your patient has not nailed these simple things if they don't have full range of movement if they don't have the ability to to produce the maximal forces that you can test on the on the bed if they can't squat and lunge pain three then they probably not earned the right to to actually undergo these types of high-level biomechanical tests, given the fact that these tests are maximal tests. You don't get someone on a force plate and ask them to jump at 
50% effort, it's a maximal test to jump up and down as fast as you can. Maximal effort and maximal intensity. So testing is great, but I think the key takeaway is that you just need to know why you are testing something. That's ultimately clinical reasoning, that you are testing at the right time in the rehab process. And if the tests do show up a problem, you also need to know what you are going to do to fix that particular problem. And I guess to give you a sentence to, to I guess, to round up the, the podcast, if it does not need testing, do not test it. And again, that's not different to special testing or something that you might do in your objective assessment. You know, you don't need to use special tests to find the diagnosis. If you've already got that diagnosis with your other tests, your subjective history, some of the more simple tests that you might have done with your objective assessment, you don't need to do the special test. And, and biomechanical testing is, I guess, just another example of that. We just need to be really clear about what we're doing when we're working with our patients, we're working with our athletes, and be able to actually reason what it is we are trying to do. But biomechanics can be great if used correctly. So if you want to learn about how to use biomechanics in your own everyday practice, whether you work in sport, private practice, or even the National Health Service, understand what the results actually tell you to have even a bigger impact with the patients and athletes you work with, then you can check out my online course, Biomechanics and Strength and Conditioning for Therapists. So I teamed up with current GB Taekwondo and international rugby physio Ben Harper for this special course and you can watch it right now. Want to learn how to get access to it? So just send me a direct message or an email to andy at newgraphphysio.com with the word biomechanics, nothing else, just biomechanics, and I will let you know how to get access. You can DM me, so on Instagram and Facebook, I am at newgradphysio. So just again, just send me the word biomechanics and I'll get right back to you. I am Andy Barker on LinkedIn. If that's your you know, place of, uh, of uh, connection, you want to go there, just again, send me a direct message with the word biomechanics and it will let you know how to get access. So thanks, as always, for your time and attention and for tuning in to the New Graph Physio podcast. Hopefully it's shed some light on biomechanics and how it can be helpful, but also how it can be detrimental to your, to your practice. So the key with anything, all about clinical reasoning, all about picking the right interventions at the right time for the, for the right patient problem. As always, any questions, please just hit me up. Uh, if not, I'll join you on the next episode of the New Grad Physio Podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Grad Physio Podcast. Before you head off, I just wanted to make sure you did not miss this. Alongside his podcast, Andy posts a weekly blog on his website, www.newgradphysio.com. You can access all his blogs and loads more resources like his recent PDF, The 5 Breakthrough Steps to Confidently Treat the Shoulder Right Every Time, Avoid Mistakes and Stop You Feeling Less Adequate Than Other New Grads. This is Andy's most popular resource and has already been accessed by thousands of therapists just like you. To get a copy of this PDF or to get more information about Andy's upcoming courses or find out more about his New Grad Physio membership, head to www.newgradphysio.com. Have a great day and we will catch you on the next podcast episode.